But this morning, uh, I'm going to continue part three. And if you've not been here for this series, in this series, we have been dealing with simplifying what has been wrongfully complicated. Uh, you know, some things are complex and complicated. Anybody just do their taxes or, or getting ready to finish up their taxes? Let me see your hands. The IRS tax code, if you've looked at it, that's complex and complicated. A lot of the changes that they made this year are complex, complicated, and frustrating. Can I hear an amen? Uh, other things can be complex and complicated. Relationships can be complex and complicated. Uh, the infrastructure of New York City which is where I was this time last Sunday, so I can tell you it can be complex and complicated. But our faith was never intended to be complex, complicated, or confusing. We know that man has this propensity to make things harder than they should be. And as you read the Bible, you'll discover that by the time Jesus arrives on the scene in the Bible, man had already severely complicated matters. Once again, just in case somebody has missed the first two sermons in this series, they had taken the Ten Commandments and they had broken the Ten Commandments, imagine this now, down into 613 laws, some of which had 63 subsections, and one subsection could have up to 39 categories out of 10 commandments. That is just ridiculously complicated. So we've been trying in this series to get back to the simple things that Jesus has called us to do. And I've been asking you from the first message to wrestle with the question of whether you are really a true disciple. We said that disciples are disciples because they choose to obey. It's a choice. You made a choice to be here this morning. Disciples choose to obey. The local church has properly defined disciple in what may be the best and most sufficient way when they said that to say to be a disciple means to be a fully devoted follower to Christ. The word devoted means to dedicate a lot or most of your time to a person, place, or thing. But the question that's only been partially answered in this series thus far is what then is a disciple fully devoted to? What are the simple things that these first followers did? So I want us to once again revisit the same passage of Scripture that we've been examining in this series. If you'll stand with me all over the house this morning, they're going to have it on the screen. We're going to be reading Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. I am going to be reading from the NIV. Acts chapter 2, verses 42 through 47. The Word said, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and they had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
those who were being saved. I want to speak to you this morning for a few moments on part three of the sermon series, Simplicity. Today, we're going to be talking about prayers. Not prayers as in a, a prayer that you pray, but prayers as in people who pray. That's what we're going to be talking about this morning. If you will, stretch your hands toward heaven. Pray with me and for me. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for your presence we've already felt here today. God, now we just ask, Lord, that you would just remove every hindrance, Lord, that would stop us from hearing your word and receiving your word. And God, I'm asking you to help me to deliver your word, not according to my ability, God, but according to the power that lies within me, and that is your anointing and your power. God, I'm asking you, Lord, to do today through your word what only you can do. We'll give you the glory the honor and the praise in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Give the Lord one more hand clap of praise as you're seated this morning. Thank you, Nicholas. I talked last week about, or week before last, I'm sorry, I wrote that in my notes, but I wasn't here last week. I talked week before last about study, about being students uh, of the Word. I'm not going to go into great detail this morning, not great detail, about the fact that they devoted themselves to fellowship. If you don't care, put that first verse of that passage back on the screen for me. Uh, I'm not going to go into a great deal about fellowship because uh, I have talked to you probably 50 times or more in the last five and a half years about our need for one another, about fellowship. At Freedom Point Church, we are a family, amen? We are a family of believers. We need each other. I need you, you need me. We are better together. We can do 10 times more, listen to me, for the kingdom. Think about these numbers I'm going to give you. We can do 10 times more for the kingdom with each other than we could ever do on our own. The Bible tells us in Deuteronomy chapter 32 and verse 30 that one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. We will always be better together. Say amen, somebody. If you didn't go home to your spouse every day, think about this. If you didn't go home every day, you would cause yourself your own disconnect with your spouse. And I can guarantee you there would be some problems in your relationship. Can I hear some ladies this morning say amen if their husband didn't come home tomorrow night? Mm -hmm. I can guarantee you it would cause you some problems in your relationship. But can I also tell you, so it is with the church. Paul said not to neglect our meeting together. In Hebrews chapter 10... Verse 25, Paul said, And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Let us not neglect. Don't neglect. In plain, simple terms, don't skip church. Don't put other things as priority over your church attendance. Because church is about more than your relationship with God. Church is also about your fellowship with other believers. We draw strength from each other. We are here 
to encourage one another. If you regularly neglect to attend both worship and discipleship, then you will cause your own disconnect with the body of Christ and thus you will begin to develop issues in your relationships with fellow believers. And once you begin to develop problems in those relationships, chances are you already long ago had a problem in your relationship with the Lord. Can I hear an amen? amen. You know, a lot of times people will want to say, it, it never ceases to amaze me. This is probably the, um, this is not a word, Karen, so don't get upset at me. This is the announcingest church you probably will ever see. I mean, that announcement video, if you listen to it, if you listen to it, will tell you everything that's going on, has gone on, will go on, or hopes to go on. It tells you all that. If you follow the church Facebook page, there's announcements for everything going on. It never ceases to amaze me. Somebody will say, well, I didn't know we wasn't having 845 church today. They showed up last week and this week. No joke. Never ceases to amaze me. People will say, well, I didn't know that that, was, that fellowship event was going on. I mean, really? It's been, and lo and behold, I mean, there'll be somebody that says, I didn't know we was having an egg hunt. Are you kidding me? We've been begging for thousands of candy-filled eggs. Yes, we're having an egg hunt. But we, we try to get those, those things out. It never, it never ceases to amaze me that people will say those things, but then it, all, it also never ceases to amaze me how people will prioritize something else over their church attendance. They will lay out of church for weeks and months at a time and then they wonder why their relationship with the Lord is not what it used to be they sincerely legitimately wonder what happened why don't I have this relationship with the Lord it it takes some effort in your marriage can I hear an amen if you don't make an effort it's not gonna work I tell young people when I do premarital counseling, Nicholas and Caitlin ain't got theirs yet. <laughs> but they will get it. I tell young people, you better make sure that you are committed. Because I promise you, she don't look like this of the morning. <laughs> and I promise you, He's not going to do everything to cater to your beck and call after he's had you and can call you his own. Some do, but they're very few and far between. you got to make sure you're committed. You know, it's the same in your relationship with the Lord. You need to be committed. And, and those people that will begin to lay out a church and develop problems in their relationships with other people they've already got a problem in their relationship with the Lord and here's what in the book of Jude uh, 19 verses 19 through 21 here's what the word said it said these people are the ones who are creating divisions among you they follow their natural instincts because they do not have God's spirit in them but you dear friends here's where he's talking to the church but you dear friends, must build up each other in your most holy faith. Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk a little bit about that. 
and await the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ who will bring you eternal life. In this way, you will keep yourself safe in God's love. I do believe it's worth noting that fellowship is mentioned three different times in our original text, in the original passage of Scripture this morning. So I'm going to say it again. We need each other. We are better together. Okay, enough said about fellowship. Just don't neglect it. Now we see another thing that the disciples were devoted to. The record indicates that disciples were prayers. They were people of prayer. They were devoted to prayer. I'm probably just like you when I hear someone start a teaching or a sermon on prayer because I think that all of us feel inadequate at many times in this area. And many times people will leave one of these teachings about prayer and they feel like their prayer life will never ever meet the standard. And therefore, another attempt is made out of guilt to become what, what we define as a prayer warrior. But I don't want that to happen out of today's message. If we make things complex, then we tend to gravitate toward eloquent prayers or worrying about how properly we say something when we pray. But can I tell you that Scripture declares in James chapter 5, verse 16, that it is the effectual fervent prayer, not the eloquent prayer, that avails much. In James 5 and 16, he says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer... I'm going to stop right there and say something. Here's a problem in the church today. We can't do this passage of Scripture right here because you can't confess your sins to somebody else without them wanting to make a big deal about it instead of doing what this passage of Scripture says. When I say that we need each other, we ought to be here for each other. We ought to have each other's back. If I've got a brother that's struggling with something, he ought to be able to confess it to me and I ought to be able to pray for him and build him up instead of wanting to leave the office as soon as he tells me and tell as many people as I can find what he's struggling with. That's not what the church was designed to do. We're supposed to be here for each other. We're supposed to pray for each other. When you hear that your brother or sister has been out doing something, this ain't even in my notes and I'm getting on a tangent, I guess, but when you hear that they've been out doing something that they shouldn't be doing, for God's sake, please don't talk about them to everybody. Find you a place in your prayer closet and ask God to help them. Lift them up in prayer. Somebody say amen. amen. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. If they'll get the lights for me this morning, I want to share just a brief video with you uh, on prayer. it again Lord you've done it again 
you are good and you are mighty and you are merciful and you keep taking care of me when I don't deserve it praise you Jesus you are Lord give me another one Lord guide me to who you want me to help raise up more that will call upon your name raise up those that love you and seek you and trust you raise them up Lord raise them up Lord we need a generation of believers who are not ashamed of the gospel we need an army of believers Lord that hate to be lukewarm and will stand on your word above all else raise them up Lord raise them up I pray for unity among those that love you I pray that you open their eyes so that they can see your truth Lord I pray for your hand of protection and guidance raise up a generation Lord that will take light into this world that will not compromise when under pressure that will not cower Lord when others fall away raise them up Lord that they will proclaim that there is salvation in the name of Jesus Christ raise up warriors Lord who will fight on their knees who will worship you with their whole hearts Lord Lord call us to battle that we may proclaim you King of Kings and Lord of Lords I pray these things with all my heart it lights a fire under me for prayer that was the war room movie they did a wonderful job dramatizing that but I firmly believe that that lady wasn't just acting she knows how to pray the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous person availeth much or in other words the earnest prayer and you can you can sense the the earnest in her prayer the earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. So then, how do we make sure that our prayer is effective? I'm going to talk briefly about this. In order to do that, I want us to look at two types of prayer that I believe that Jesus and the disciples modeled for us. First of all, disciples pray consistently. Say consistently. Luke chapter 5 and verse 16. But Jesus, the word said, often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. One of the reasons that the disciples devoted themselves to consistent prayer is that their rabbi modeled a consistent prayer life in front of them. I would to God that God would give us some parents that will model a prayer life in front of their children. If your children, and I may not get a lot of help with this, but I'm going to say it anyway. If your children don't ever hear you talking to the Father, or they don't know that you have a regular and consistent place of prayer, they should. If your spouse doesn't ever hear you talking to the Father, 
and they don't know that you have a regular and consistent prayer life, they should. This is why Paul would come along in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 17 and say, pray without ceasing. You see, the Greek word for without ceasing does not mean nonstop here. That's not what it means. It actually means constantly recurring over and over again. And then we would find that Paul would come back again in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2 and he would give us a command that said devote yourselves to prayer. We've already talked about what devoted means. Devote yourself to prayer being watchful and thankful. Simply put, to be a disciple we must have a consistent, ongoing, personal conversation with Jesus Christ. Listen to your pastor this morning. Communication will determine your connectedness. Did you hear me? Your communication with God will determine your connectedness with God. We used to judge whether someone was praying by whether or not they attended prayer meetings. But however, the private ongoing dialogue with Jesus Christ in every situation, in every circumstance, in every moment in life is a real indication of true discipleship. You are going to face things in this life. Trust me, I've been there. You're going to face things in this life that I can't help you with. Your spouse can't help you with. Your mama and your daddy who raised you in church or your grandmother or your grandfather cannot help you with. That preacher cannot help you with. But I can tell you something this morning. If you have a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, you can go to Him and I promise you He can help you with whatever problem you may be facing in your life. He is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. He'll listen to you when everybody else has cast you aside. He'll comfort you when you can't find any comfort anywhere else. He'll be for you what you don't have. Take it from a boy who lost his dad when I was nine years old. I found him to be a father to the fatherless. He's a husband to the husbandless. He's a mother to the motherless. Whatever you have need of, Jesus is that in your life. So how consistent is your prayer life? Do you catch yourself talking to our rabbi in an ongoing manner? How many hours of each day do we neglect the opportunity to speak with him? Are you constantly checking in? Are your prayers proof that you have desire towards him? We talk about the fact that sheep know the shepherd's voice. But I want to, I want to flip that script for just a minute this morning. Does the shepherd... Recognize your voice? Does he hear it often enough that he's familiar with it? You see, there's people in my life that even if it wasn't for caller ID, they would never have to identify themselves when they call me on the phone. You know why? Because I know their voice. I know exactly who they are when they begin to talk. I don't need caller ID to figure that out. Disciples carry on an ongoing conversation with Jesus. He will know your voice if you consistently talk to Him. Number two, disciples prayed persistently. Say persistently. Now the word consistent and persistent sound 
and they are somewhat familiar. But persistent prayer is something that disciples must develop. Persistence is an acquired skill. You learn to endure. You have to learn to hang on. When you go through strain and struggle, it develops strength. The Bible says, think it not strange when you go through fiery trials because those fiery trials develop patience in you. Lord, patience is a virtue for sure. Oh, if you go to New York City, you'll find out patience is a virtue and a gift from God. People don't have patience. And Kentucky pastors sometimes have to fight to have Jesus, I'll just tell you. When you're standing on the subway and somebody, on the, on the escalator on the subway, and somebody plows you down because they don't want to ride the escalator, they want to walk the escalator. Well, there's steps next to the escalator for that, thank you very much. But they plow you down and you're like, hello. And they say, if you want to stand, stand on the right. I wanted to say, if you want to. But I didn't. I did have some conversation with Jesus, though. Lord, help me. Your strain and your struggle when you go through things develop strength in you. Your fiery trials develop patience in you. Why is persistence necessary? Listen, if you don't hear anything else I say today, I want you to hear this. Hear me. Persistence in prayer says that I believe who you are. Even when who you are doesn't bring the results that I want to see. Let me say that again. Persistence in prayer says that, Lord, I believe who you are. Even when who you are hasn't brought the results that I desire to see. Sometimes you will pray and pray and pray for things and never get the results that you wanted to see. That's where trust comes in. And you have to realize and recognize that our Father knows best. But with that said, I do not believe that we should give up on persistent prayer just simply because we don't see immediate results. Say amen, somebody. One man said that God works through persevering prayer, number one, to purify our desires. Because sometimes... We may want the right thing, but for the wrong reasons. And number two, to prepare us for God's answer. Because a premature answer might cause us to glory more in the gift than we do in the giver. Sometimes it's to prepare us for His answer. Number three, sometimes it's to develop our life and our character. One of God's greatest priorities in prayer is the work that He desires to do in us. Prayer doesn't, is not intended to change God. Prayer is intended to change us. And number four, to bless us with a more intimate relationship with God. You see, in the Word, Jesus talks about, and I'm not going to be very much longer, He talks about persistence in prayer on two occasions. In the book of Luke, chapter 11, I'm going to read verses 5 through 8 in the New Living Translation. It says, Then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread, and you say to him, A friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom and says, Don't bother me, 
The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But listen what Jesus said. He said, but I tell you this. Though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about, I can testify to you this afternoon that there have been times in my life where I have gone and I have said, it's me again, Lord. Would you open the door? And maybe I wasn't seeing the answer that I wanted and things wasn't going the way that I thought they should go, but I just kept knocking. And I believe there's been times in my life that not necessarily because of friendship's sake, not because I'm Sean Disney and I try my best to live for the Lord and serve the Lord, not because I pastor a church, because many times before I even pastored a church, but I believe that because I was persistent and I kept going back, that there was a time when God finally said, He's not going to give up. He's not going to quit until I give an answer. I wish that the church would somehow get back to the place that we used to have, Brother Danny, when it came to prayer. I remember that the old saints would gather together on Sunday evenings before church in the church I went to in a little room, a library next to the pulpit. They'd start having prayer while we were trying to have choir practice. We had musicians. We had instruments. We had singers. We had a sound system. They didn't have anything except a little room full of people on their knees praying. But there were times that we just had to stop trying to have choir practice because the roar that was coming from the prayer room was louder than the roar that was coming from the platform. Oh God, I would love to see the day in the church again when the roar that's coming from the congregation is louder than the roar that's coming from the platform. But we have forgotten the importance of persistently going to God in prayer. Then in another passage of Scripture in Luke chapter 18, verses 1 through 5, this is actually known as the parable of the persistent widow. It says, One day, Jesus told His disciples a story to show that they should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, and he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, Give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is driving me crazy. I'm going to see that she gets justice because she's wearing me out with her constant request. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about even... Oh, I'm going to preach a little bit right here to the church. We're so divided when it comes to politics. We're just as foolish as those who sit on the opposite side of the aisle that we sit on. Hallelujah. We're so divided when it comes to politics. 
But we've forgotten that God can change the mind of the leaders who say to themselves, I don't fear God or care about people. But because of persistent prayer, God changed the mind of the judge. I'm telling you today, it doesn't matter what your problem is. It doesn't matter what your circumstance is. It doesn't matter what kind of enemy you may feel like you're facing. Because of your persistent prayer, the God that you are talking to is more than able to change the heart, change the mind, change the circumstance, and work it together for your good. Jesus makes it clear that disciples simply must develop a never-give-up attitude in prayer. Even when what we see in the natural doesn't indicate change, we continue to persist in prayer. Too many of us give up in prayer. And by so doing, we also say that we're giving up on God. Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon once said, if you will give him no rest, he will give you all the rest you need. That's good. Alexander White said, if you find your life of prayer to be always so short and so easy and so spiritual and to be without cost and strain and sweat to you, you may depend upon it. You have not yet begun to pray. Let me say that again. If you find your prayer life to be short, easy, spiritual, without cost and strain and no sweat to you, you can count on it. You've not yet learned what it is to pray. See, our microwave lifestyle, we live in a microwave society. Our microwave lifestyle has robbed too many of us of the ability to slow cook in prayer. Persist. Hold on and keep asking. You're talking to a God that can and will answer prayer. If they'll come to the music this morning. In closing, what do you need to ask God for or about again? What is it that you need to bring before the Father again? Can I tell you, church, that we need to learn to endure in prayer. We need to learn how to be become tough in prayer. Have you allowed what your eyes can see to cause you to give up? Now listen, I don't want to offend you. I'm just going to say this. We, we've somehow come to the place in the church we're making sure that we live it, leave it 12.15 and head to the buffet is priority. That's why we're, we'll say it, physically fat and spiritually starving to death. That's the condition of the church today. Physically fat, spiritually starving to death. If, if that's your number one priority, this altar call is not for you. 
can't change your mind or your heart. I wish I could. But what's wrong with getting back to where you approach this altar unashamedly, without reservation, and without fear of what somebody else out there is going to think of while you're up here? I don't know about you, but I have certain things before the Lord that I need Him to answer in. So I don't care if you leave and tell people, well, Pastor must have sin in his life. He made the altar call and he got down and prayed himself. I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep knocking. Because I believe persistence in prayer will provoke God to answer. I'm going to keep trusting because sometimes the answer may come and it may not be what I wanted. But I'm still going to believe in who He is even when who He is doesn't produce the results that I want to see because He knows best. So the disciples, I want you to think about this as I close. The disciples would have already been taught how to pray. They learned that in school, in the synagogue. But yet we find in the Bible they came to Jesus Himself and they asked Him, Lord, teach us to pray. Now think about that. Could it be We've attended Sunday school. We've attended church all of our lives and been taught how to pray, but really we don't know how to pray and get a hold of God for ourselves. I encounter so many people that, and listen, I'm the pastor. That's what I'm here for. I'm here to pray for you and pray with you and for you through what you go through, but I encounter so many people sometimes that I I, I just want to say, have you talked to the Lord about this yourself yet? Because I believe, sometimes I do say this, I believe that He wants to speak to you about you before He wants to speak to me about you. Talk to Him about it first. And I'll help you pray. They they knew how to pray. They've been taught how to pray, but they went to Jesus and they asked Him how to pray. Why? Was it that the consistency and the persistency of His prayer resulted in the power that they saw and therefore they wanted to know how He prayed? See, that's it right there. We're all taught how to pray in church. But there's some people that I'd like to go to them and say, tell me where I'm missing it. Because I've seen them lay hands on the sick and physically they recover. I've seen them lay hands on people and they've gotten up out of a wheelchair. I'm not talking about phony stuff that was staged and planned out. I'm talking about true, legit, genuine, authentic miracles. That's what happened with the disciples. They saw that the persistency and the consistency produced some power that they had not seen. So they wanted to know how he prayed. So I got a question for you. I'd say all of most all of us claim to be saved in here this morning. Has anybody asked you to teach them how to pray? They looked at you and said, I see the results that they're getting. I want to know what they're doing. See, the prayer life that I'm most attracted to is the one that's consistent and persistent. And it's that type of prayer that other people will will want to have. So I want to challenge you this morning to simply make a commitment or this afternoon to become more consistent moment by moment. Set daily times if you need to and be persistent in your prayers because true disciples 